my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, not serving the flesh, but to serve humbly, to love thy neighbor as though they were you. Spirit over flesh, this much is true, that they exist under conflict, one to beat the other. But I promise you this, my sister and brother, that the acts of the flesh will let evil take root, but the kingdom of God and the Spirit gives fruit. You may know the list, or possibly not. You may once have known, but somehow forgot. Well, let me remind you, will you have no fear as we explore this cornucopia of abundant fruit offered to us if we live by the Spirit? So let us discuss peace, forbearance or patience and joy, kindness, self-control for us to employ. All of these fruits sent from above. But for now, let's start with love. Thank you, Ben. Why don't we give him a round of applause for that? Creative part in his life. Let's read, uh, perhaps more traditionally, let me read the words that Ben based those, uh, that spoken word on in Galatians 5, 22, 25. Uh, that's the sum total of our PowerPoint this morning. That is it. So it's an easy job for, uh, for Ben. He's sitting in the back. So Paul writes these words, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I'm just going to start off with that little phrase, keeping in step with the Spirit, before we get into the fruit. For centuries, armies have used the beating of a drum to keep in step. And you might see pictures still today of military parades or a band is playing and the bass drum will be beating and everybody will be marching perfectly in step. And that's the picture here Paul uses of what life can be like for us individually and corporately when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The same pace, the same direction, being close together. And this is a reminder that spiritual guidance, spiritual growth, isn't limited to a select few, but it's an opportunity that God wants for all of us. And I was reflecting on this. We've got some visual aids this morning. We've, this is perhaps the more easier visual aid to think about fruit. There is the bowl of lovingly prepared summer fruit. And we'll come back to this once or twice in the in a sermon, and the Bible uses this idea of fruit or fruitfulness to talk about something that grows, something that's wholesome, something that's sustains, something that's good, something that's fresh. 
And we've used this picture here of books in a slightly different way because I want to make this point, and we will talk a little bit about love this morning as we get to the end of of the sermon, is that the bookcase here, if we have love or self-control at either end taken away, all the books fall down. And when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's right that love is at one end and self-control is at the other, because they're the two things that bookend the fruit of the Spirit. They're the two things that keep everything together. And if we enter this idea of being fruitful for God without love at one end of our spectrum and self-control at the other, then everything else in the middle will fall apart. And the first thing I want to say is this, that the fruit of the Spirit help us to be more like Jesus. I've used this little phrase so often, but it is one of my favourites from the writer and speaker, Max Lucado. You'll have heard me say this. I hope you can complete the sentence before I even get there, where it says that God loves us just as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay like it. He wants us to be more like Jesus. And the Bible talks about fruit in two different ways. It talks about the fruit of the harvest, the harvest of souls, that there is fruit yet to be harvested around us. But it talks about the harvest of righteousness in our own life. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes. And whether we've just started coming to church, whether we've been here for 50, 60, 70 years, whether this is the first sermon we've ever heard about the fruit of the Spirit, whether this is the 50th sermon we've heard about the fruit of the Spirit, one thing's certain, that God still wants to make us more like Jesus and that there is an opportunity to grow spiritually in some of these areas. And so we're talking about this consistent, persistent relationship that God wants to have in our life by his Holy Spirit to grow these fruit in our lives so that we might be more like Jesus, so that we will follow his steps more obediently, so people will see Jesus in us. And the one thing that's of many things that's become apparent to me when I, since I've been pastoring in this church, is I need to grow in, I was going to say some, probably all of these areas, and the church gives an almighty amen to that. And so none of us can feel that we have arrived, that we all want to grow more in this area. And the Holy Spirit wants, his desire is that. If we wanted to improve in an area of life, we would start taking lessons, wouldn't we? We'd work at it. We'd get a coach, a mentor, a tutor. We'd go to an expert who could help us excel in playing music or cooking or learning a language or completing a master's degree or whatever it might be. And over recent years, life coaching has been very popular. People go to see a life coach because they want to do life better. Well, you and I have got a living life coach in us, the Holy Spirit, who is with us every moment of our life and wants to coach us in these areas so that we can grow to be more like Jesus. 
And some of us, when we hear about the Holy Spirit, we only want to focus on miracles and power and all the spectacular things. And God certainly wants those to happen and wants us to be involved in those. But even before God wants to do something through us, he wants to do something in us. And when we make our life more like Jesus, that's when we open ourselves up to seeing those other things going on. And that's why before we, in the autumn, we're going to be looking at some of the miracles that happened in the early church. That's why I thought actually a great foundation to get to that place is to look at some of this, to prepare ourselves internally, spiritually, to get to that place. When Jesus talks, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. People look at you and what, what's, what fruit do they look at? Do they look at a beautiful bowl of fresh fruit or they look at some stuff that's manky and gone off a bit and you know those horrible brown bananas and the bits of the orange that are all nasty or do they see something that's fresh and appealing Jesus says every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree can't bear bad fruit and so point one this morning, even before we start speaking about love, is that this whole series is about helping you and I position ourselves before the Holy Spirit so can, he can help us be more like Jesus. And isn't it astonishing that the God of heavens and earth, who created the world, who breathed and, and life happened, wants you to be more like his son, Jesus. That's astonishing, isn't it? Even before we get on to God's love, perhaps that gives us a taste of what God's love is, that he's so interested and in intimately involved in your life and my life. So point one, the fruit of the Spirit help us be more like Jesus. Second thing, the fruit of the Spirit don't grow individually or on their own. I talked earlier about... Paul's desire to remind us that God wants to eliminate the bad things more and more, the fleshly things in our life. And it's good to look at this whole idea as one single fruit, not different fruits. Now, in here, we have got a lovely selection of fruits, and we could say, oh, perhaps it's a bit like that. But the thing is, with a bowl of fruits, we all got our favourite We'll say, oh, I'll have a couple of strawberries, but don't ask me to eat a banana. Or, or oh, grapes are my favourite, but I don't really like satsumas. You see, somebody once said the Ten Commandments aren't the Ten Suggestions. And it's the same with the fruit of the Spirit. It's not like pick and mix. Who can remember pick and mix in Woolworths? Am I showing my age now? When you used to go down to Woolworths on a Saturday morning and you, and you could pick. Now, I guess it's the cinemas, the place of pick and mix, isn't it? Where you have to take a second mortgage out to buy a bag of, of pick and mix. But it used to be you could go and you, you deliberately picked the ones you wanted and didn't touch the ones that you didn't fancy. Now, that's not the approach to the fruit of the Spirit. So we can't say, yeah, okay, I think I'll work a little bit about on peace and on kindness, but don't ask me to, don't ask me to work on self-control or don't ask me to, to work on gentleness. That's just not me. 
it's more accurate to look at one fruit and the different segments, different pieces that we find in that fruit. And that's what Paul is talking about here with the fruit of the Spirit, that God wants to produce one complete fruit in your life. Is that about right? One complete fruit in your life without giving you the option to pick and choose. Imagine that you are carrying this big bowl of fruit around in your life and somebody knocks you and some of that fruit falls out. What's that fruit going to look like? Is it going to look good? Is it going to look attractive? Is it going to look healthy? Or is it going to be a little bit smelly and a little bit manky? Because you and I know that the real test for these things doesn't come in the hurrah times. It comes in the difficult times, in the challenging times, in the hard times, the times when we are knocked, the times when we are hurting. And so we're going to go through each of these uh, in the next few weeks and delve a little bit more. And the fruit of the Spirit, we'll realise, will take time to grow. Those of you who have been Christians a long time know this, that even though conversion might be instantaneous and overnight, growing in faith and growing in our maturity takes some time. And so we're not expecting quick answers. We're not expecting in six or seven weeks' time when we finish this sermon series that everybody will suddenly be perfect. That's not the way it works. I'm I'm the only one that's going to be perfect in six weeks' time. (laughs) It takes time to grow as a believer. And so, as well as being challenged, we should be encouraged. And what is one of these? We're going to talk about patience in a few weeks' time. Fruit don't grow overnight. You don't plant the seeds of an apple tree today and see a fully grown apple tree tomorrow that's bearing fruit. It takes time. It needs to be planted, needs to be weeded, needs to be cultivated. And the Bible talks about Christian life as being like branches attached to the vine. That is Jesus. And that staying close and connected to Jesus helps us grow more like him. One of the best investments we can make into wanting to be more like Jesus and growing this fruit in our life is by putting time in, by spending time with Jesus, by being open all hours, not just on a Sunday. And I've said this already, that the fruit of the Spirit are bookended by love at one end, self-control at the other end. I look at this list and I've got, I've got a number of friends who are, who, whose names are the fruit of the Spirit. We've got a joy in here with us this morning. I know somebody called Patience. I know other African fr- friends who are called Kindness and Goodness. I must admit, I don't know anybody called Self-Control. You might do, I don't know. But uh, if you were going to give yourself a name from that list that fitted you, you don't have to shout this out, just think of it for yourself. What name would you give yourself that you think you at least aspire to live up to or try to live up to? It's an interesting one, isn't it? I do think Joy's name does work for Joy because she's always got a smile on her face and a bit of a laugh. 
It'd be terrible if Joy came in miserable and, and sad every week, wouldn't it? We'd be all a bit embarrassed about that. But you do live up to your name. But if you had a spiritual gift name, what would it be? Would you live up to it? So let's think a little bit in this last 10, 15 minutes or so about love. You know, you know this already. Let me remind you that in the Greek language in the New Testament, there are lots of different words that are used for love. And each of them focuses on a slightly different aspect or perspective of love or loving. But the word that used here and the word that the, the New Testament writers almost make their own about love is that Greek word agape. You remember earlier in the year in John's Gospel, when we opened up John's Gospel and we saw John talking about Zoe life, that abundant, full, eternal life with a capital L. Well, in the rest of his writings, in John's Gospel and certainly his letters, John majors in on love. And he uses that word agape. And he reminds us what it means. And John's the man, remember, who calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And so in the Bible, we've got these different words. There's a word that's meant just to be for erotic love. It's eros. And it's that one particular type of physical need, a demanding word. In fact, it hardly is ever in the New Testament because it's such a sort of carnal word. Then there's the word stergo, and that's more about family love. Between parents and kids, the love of a relation, it's not used very often in the New Testament, and more often it's used about a sort of devotion to each other. Then there's filio, which is that brotherly love. And it's a a component of many other words. So filio gets put at the start of lots of words to talk about, about love. And then there's this word agape, which is a deep, meaningful, emotional, powerful word showing real value and worth for something or somebody. And a a, a word that doesn't demand something back. You know, some of us are happy to love if we know that love's going to come back in our direction. And agape love isn't that type of love at all. It's this self-sacrificing love. And John uses it lots in all of his New Testament writings, to try to explain to us what God's love is like for us. Self-sacrificing, not wanting anything in return. But when you receive that love, it makes you want to give something back in return, doesn't it? Because you realise how powerful that love is. And agape gives us the idea that God's love is so strong and so selfless that it drives him into action on behalf of those that he loves. And I've said this before, perhaps the two best pictures of God's love, of his agape love in the Bible, are open arms. The open arms of the loving father in the story of the parable of the lost son waiting to receive the son home. There's a picture of agape love right there. Not a dad waiting with a big stick to hit his kid for doing wrong, but a dad waiting with open arms to receive the dirty, smelly kid back into his loving arms. And then the other arms open wide of Jesus on the cross. Perfect picture of God's love for you and for me. 
And the tragedy is we live in a world and sometimes we operate in a church where it's easier to point the finger at somebody in judgment or condemnation or anger than it is to offer open arms. And agape love isn't a love that points or accuses or condemns. It's a love that offers open arms for those around us. And we will see as we continue this series that each component, each segment of the fruit depends on the one either side of it. And so next week at the Amelia Trust, we'll just look at very quickly in our time together, we'll look at joy. Not this joy, but we will look at the concept of joy. We might look at this joy, I don't know. Might, might have it dressed up with a big joy written on it or something. And we'll see that actually, if you don't start from a position of love, then joy is very difficult to achieve. And if you don't have that joy in your heart, then peace of mind is very difficult to grab hold of. And so we'll see that each of these fruits are interlinked together. And so when John, when the gospel writers, when the New Testament writers talk about this word love, when Paul kicks off his list of the fruit of the Spirit with love at the start, he says, hey, I'm not talking here about a self-seeking love, not talking about that word. I'm not talking about a word that's just limited to family. I'm not talking about a word here that's just based on mutual friendship and satisfaction and can easily be disappointed. No. I'm talking about that love that doesn't look for what it can get, but for what it can give. I'm talking about love that's a verb, love that's an action word, love that's a doing word. Word, a force that's so strong that it demonstrates itself with deed and with action. Now, if, you're, if your sexuality, if your married life is based on agape, it's going to be better. If your family life is based on agape, it's going to be stronger. If your friendships are based on agape love, they'll be more fulfilling. That all sounds great, but when the rubber hits the road, when the nitty-gritty is going on, how can we start living out of agape love? Well, it's like so many other things in our Christian life. On our own, we can't. But with God's help, we can. Out of our flesh, we can't. But with a spirit living in us, we can. The potential for all of us to mirror the same love that God showed us, is there. That's incredible, isn't it? That is supernatural. In a world where love is used too cheaply, where it's often used incorrectly, you and I have an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit mould us and shape us so that we don't just receive more and aware more and understand more of God's 
our extraordinary love for us, we can begin to live it into the relationships and the situations that we are in. You, this morning, have the potential to release the love of God from deep within you to overflowing into every area of your life. Today, it might just start with a trickle. Today, it might just start with a little seed. But God wants his love to grow in you. God wants his love to flow in you. God, I'm on the roll here. God wants his love to show in you. I'm so good, I'm going to take notes on myself for that. That was really... And so that's our starting point this morning. That each of us has got this incredible opportunity again over these next few weeks to grow in the spiritual fruit that God wants us to do. No exceptions, we can't pick a few. There might be one or two already this morning that we're looking at and we're going, God, I really need your help in that area. And that's fine, that's a great place to be before God, to be honest. Paul writes to the church in Romans in chapter 5, he said, this hope does not disappoint us. Because God has, listen, poured out his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit, who he has given us. doesn't say God has trickled his love. God has measured his love. God has portioned his love. It says God has poured out his love into our lives. By his Holy Spirit. There is an abundance. If you want a different picture, it's like a candle that never burns out. It's like a jug that keeps on pouring. And so I guess as we come towards the end of our time this morning, as we've just opened up briefly the fruit of the Spirit and we've looked at what it means to be full of love as the fruit of the Spirit. Perhaps two questions I could ask you to think about quietly right where you are now. One of those is, are you open for this journey on the next few weeks? Are you ready to say, yeah, Lord, I want to grow. I want to see your fruit more growing and developing in me. It'll be a journey that as a church we take a few weeks on, but it might be a journey that we need to go on individually longer than that. You know, one of the things about being a disciple of Jesus is we never graduate from that class until we get to heaven. We never get our graduation certificate. We're still on that journey. And so again, whether we've been here five minutes or 50 years, we need to be more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to develop those spiritual fruit in our life. And the second question, I guess, is this. Do you need to cultivate a deeper encounter with God's love right now? Do you need to grow that agape love in your life? 
so that you can love the unlovable, so that you can respond in difficult situations with love, so that you can treat others with the love that God has treated you with. So that's where we are this morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you some space to pray as well. And we're going to worship together. And uh, we'll put the fruit bowl with the refreshments. Who did these lovely cakes for us this morning, by the way? Who was that? Thank you ever so much. That looks, they look fantastic. I'm torn now between a nice healthy banana or a cake. I might eat the banana publicly so that you can all see it, but I might, might eat the cake secretly. Let's pray together. Just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now. Is there something that he wants to speak to you this morning about fruit in your life? Is today again, again to say, Lord, we want to push aside the domination of the flesh and we want to begin again to listen to the beat of your spirit so that we might stay in step with you. Lord, this morning is not about being guilty, but we don't mind if you convict us about one or more of these fruit that we need to work on as we open ourselves up to you. So Lord, help me to grow your kind of agape love in my daily life. Forgive me when I've acted out of worldly love. Holy Spirit, would you awaken a fresh harvest of godly fruit in my life, starting from today, and begin with love. Today, Father God, I ask that you would release agape love in my thoughts, in my emotions, my words, my actions, my relationships. Over the coming weeks, I pray that agape love might be the foundation stone, the bookend for the fruit of the Spirit to grow powerfully and significantly in me and through me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.